I wouldn't be roaming around anywhere if I were you. What the hell do you know? Let me dumb it down for you. What's out there knows that you're alive, and it wants you to be unalive. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hey, everybody, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason. I'm Rich. And I'm Chris. And this is the Evil Dead cast episode 10, double digits. Before we get started, I just want to announce that we're supposed to be interviewing Ray Santiago, a.k.a. Pablo, on Tuesday. Excited about that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I always say we're supposed to because I just don't want to tempt fate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You never know what can happen. You never know. Um, but if you guys want to like submit questions for that, you can go to uh, facebook.com slash evil or twitter.com slash evil to let us know what you want to know from Ray. That'd be cool. So obviously that interview, assuming it happens, will be on next <laughs> week's podcast, right? Well, I was thinking I might just release it as its own episode. Oh. Because... Um, like if something huge happens with Pablo in next week's episode, then it would be weird for us not to have asked him about it. Right. Okay. You know, okay. Yeah. Good point, I think bonus episode, <laughs> yeah. bonus time. Yeah. It'll be you Very know, good. like half an hour thing. Sure. All right. So let's get into our dead cast top three for this week's episode. So it's our top three highlights for season one, episode seven, fire in the hole. Fire in the hole. <laughs> and I got a message yeah. from you, Chris, before I had seen it that said, what did you say? I can't, I'm looking forward to what you guys have to say about this one. Yeah. I, I, I just sent, that's right. I sent a note cause I watched it and I didn't know if you'd seen it yet. And I was all excited after watching it. Cause I think this is going to be a fun one to talk about. What was the one thing in particular? Well, I think maybe rich can answer. That. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. I can answer that. <laughs> So I I was sitting there with Rich. I had actually already seen it once. And then I dropped by Richard's place and saw it again uh, on the big. He has a big 65 inch TV. So that was really cool. And that's impressive. We came to that part and I forget exactly what you said, but you're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I I was like, everything that I ever wished for happens in this show. (laughs) Pretty cool. it's really quite hilarious. You you called it, man. You predicted it a couple podcasts yeah. ago, and then it happened. I don't know how you did that, but it's amazing. That's right. He goes, I, know. I should have wished for more stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you should have wished for a million dollars. Mr. Chance, yeah, though, you really? only get one wish. <laughs> All right. So other than that one scene, Rich, what did you think of the episode? Oh, I liked it. It, uh, it's uh, it really built suspense. It built a lot of suspense for uh, Ash going to the cabin. I'm a little, I don't, well, I don't know. He's going by himself. Obviously, I'm sure his uh, his co-stars will will show up too. But uh, you know, one of the things I like about this show is you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, so far everything I hope happens happens, and then um, and then uh, we're going to have a oh I don't know what maybe a three episode ending here at the cabin. That would be pretty cool. I would be totally cool with that if they did it well. 
Yeah, yeah me, me too, I think. Um, I was wondering if maybe we're going to get, you know, one episode that's just Ash seeing what happens. He'll probably get to the cabin first. Maybe one episode that's just the rest of the group getting there, and then they all come back together in the finale. Yeah. 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 You know? I, I wouldn't would be surprised. Be sort of yeah, because they have no clue where it is. Right. That's the problem. It's going to take them some time to figure that out. Um, I don't. I don't know how they're going to figure it out, but presumably they all get there. So. Yeah. I, oh, that reminds me too. That reminds me because I, um, you know how uh, Amanda and Ash are hitting it off pretty good right now, and I was thinking, well, Ash is going to the cabin by himself. Amanda will probably show up. What's going to happen with? Uh, with uh, the other two, you know, Pablo and Kelly, uh, maybe their characters will become redundant if Amanda and, and Ash kind of get get it going together. Maybe they'll get killed off. Maybe Chris called it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I would be surprised if that happened. Pleasantly yeah. surprised. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see people die. <laughs> it's hard to tell with this show. Yeah, man, that last scene was amazing. I not to just skip over everything, but uh, let's just skip over everything. So, I thought it was so cool <laughs> to see that his hand skittering up to the cabin and then kind of pause, like for nostalgia's sake or something. Yeah, and then I'm home, and the the way it looked was really cool. I don't know if we've ever seen the cabin look framed that way, and it, with the sun above it, kind of trying to peek through the gloominess. Um, but it still looked like the classic cabin. So I thought it was yeah. great. Really, really perfect scene. Yeah, I agree. I thought it looked really good, too. The cabin almost looked inviting. Just a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's almost like, I mean, it's still it's still not a, it's still a creepy looking place. But with the sun, you're right. You almost want to go there. Or at least <laughs> maybe it, it was, yeah, maybe it was the nostalgia kicking in. You're right. Right. But I thought they did a good job of just setting it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm really happy that that they're going back there and it is cool. Yeah. That Ash is going by himself and the others don't know where it is. So maybe we'll get some classic evil dead scenes next time. But anyways, overall this episode, um, I liked it. I again, liked it better the second time, especially seeing it on that giant TV is really cinematic. Yeah. It is kind of filmed like a movie, huh? Yeah, it did. It felt like an old eighties movie. I like the beginning when they, uh, I think they do it every episode where they splatter blood onto the screen yeah. and then it trickles down and you see the title of the show. And in this one, it immediately starts with a headshot of Ash. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into our top three. Who wants to go first? I guess I will. Um, I think that my number three is that I, I really am a little bit surprised that I am so into the sort of story that they're, they're, putting on screen here. And we've kind of talked about this already a little bit, but um, it's, I felt like for a long time that we were just sort of going from location to location and they were killing deadites and Ruby was one step behind and so on. But they've managed to make this really, really an interesting story for me because I don't know exactly where it's, I mean, I know where it's going, but I don't know how it's going to get there. Right. And I've really fallen in love with all these characters you know i knew going in that that ash was fantastic but i really love pablo and kelly and their how their relationship has developed and i like how they've incorporated the other characters and it really hit me at the end of this one or just before the end when um ash kind of disappears right and he goes off on his own and the rest of them are standing around going hey where did he go and i just thought oh my god 
what are they going to do now? These mm-hmm. people, they're like a yeah. family. They, they really mm-hmm. need each other. What's, what's going to happen? And I felt really concerned for the whole thing. And I suddenly realized that, man, I really like this group and I really like the story they're telling. And it's not just the sort of gore and comedy and so on. They've managed to make this show a little bit more. And uh, I think that's great. I just think it's great. I really love it. Yeah. I wonder, um, like, uh, let's see. Ruby is still following them. She was pissed off that the hand wasn't there to guide her, but then she pulled out her kind of mystical knife and, uh, maybe that will help her. But anyway, I'm just relating to what you just said, Chris, like next episode, since the rest of the crew don't really know what to do next, I I was wondering if maybe they'll run into Ruby. Actually, that's probably a good thought. I mean, she knows where to go. She's, she knows where the cabin is. In fact, that's likely, now that you say that, that's likely what I think is going to happen because she'll lead them there. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, because she she's, okay, so she yeah. always shows up at the last spot that they were at, which is why I was kind of thinking she might meet up with them at the camp or at the mil- militant camp. And then I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, she, she can lead them to the cabin. I, I bet you that's going to happen. Yeah, I think probably yeah, you're true. right. Since Ash disappeared, maybe, you know, maybe Kelly and, and Pablo and everybody is, they're going to hang around looking for him, which will give Ruby a chance to catch up and be like, we got to go to the cabin. That's where Ash is. Mm-hmm. And then they're all going to go. So, so is that the Nobi family cabin? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. where Ruby's dad was studying the book, right? Okay. That's her yeah. vacation Supposedly. home. Supposedly. Supposedly it's her dad. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. <laughs> all right. Rich, number three. Uh, Amanda, I'm pleasantly surprised at how their, uh, how her character's developing and she joined the, um, she joined their little ghost beaters group there. <laughs> she's, uh, she's fitting in really well. I, I like the whole dynamic with her and Ash, you know, Ash kind of needed somebody to, to be, a uh, you know, to complete him so, and support him. So I, I think that, uh, she's gonna, she's going to, I just hope she doesn't displace some of the other characters because, I'm starting to really grow to like Pablo and uh, and Kelly, especially how Pablo gets bathed in blood every episode. I think that's hilarious. Yes, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I I I kind of feel the opposite of you. I mean, I want to feel the same way that you do, but the way that Amanda was shaping up to be, I don't know, the one. Well, at first, at least she had the best scenes, I thought, because she was so she was in the scary scenes. And I love that. And she meets up with them and then just decides, okay, I'm going to go with you. It didn't really take much for her to decide that. But I thought, well, she had some motivation because she really had her world rocked from the deadites and she wants to you know, get help, get rid of them, but she's just being so casual about it all. And I don't know. It feels like she just too easily fell in with them and became buddy, buddy. And it doesn't seem like there's a lot of urgency to why she's there. And then for her to fall for Ash, Ash's lines and stuff. (laughs) I've said before, I, I, I liked when Ash is being, you know, over the top, uh, flirtatious and corny and I like it better when the women respond but this episode I just didn't believe that she would fall for it like maybe because she saw him in action last week so so she's she admires him but it just seemed to me like 
she would be like, dude, get away from me with that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they're going to have to flesh out her character a little more because that she probably would get really tired of all his uh, pickup lines. But but the, that's not what, where they went with it. I mean, she she seemed really into it. She was about to kiss him and everything. And I was just thinking, really? Yeah, I'm with you there, Jason. I had a hard time with that, too. That was the only thing about this episode that I didn't really totally buy into. Like, she's she went from sort of a really a pretty hardened cop, you know, who saw some crazy stuff to this episode, all of a sudden being super flirty and super receptive mm-hmm. to, to Ash's advances. And I'm okay with it from Ash's side because that's how he is. And that's what he does. But for her, you you kind of think she'd be like, you know, even if she was kind of into it, she'd be sort of like, not now, dude. Like we just, yeah, we just had to kill this guy and we're stuck down here and like maybe later, but she was a little too on board. I thought, Right, right in the middle of fighting Lim, uh, he kind of barked at her, Ruff, and she he dips her, yeah, yeah, and she Bark. giggled, and that, it, I don't know, they're going for this lightness, but to me, it just killed the tension of the moment. It's like, oh, they're not in any trouble. This, it made, I mean, that with some other things made Lim seem pretty much ineffective and not really a threat. Although it was freaking awesome when he started breathing fire with his kerosene and and that flare that was pretty cool that was pretty cool it was a flamethrower actually when you think about it yeah yeah that's right (laughs) yeah (laughs) well you never know maybe uh maybe her and ash will get together and then ash won't be interested in her anymore because that's kind of what he does oh yeah and then that will have some some tension there yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's what i love about this show you don't know where it's going you don't know yeah I'm, I mean, I'm starting to feel comfortable that none of the characters can be harmed, which to me is not an interesting feeling. <laughs> but I just keep saying that same kind of thing over and over again. So I'll get on to my number three, which is the gore. I thought this episode maybe even had more gore than usual, which is saying a lot. And I, I'm not, you know, I've never really been one for like a gore fiend, but for this, I do like it. And I thought it was amazing. Like, they find that woman torn in half with her intestines and her guts hanging out. And then like you mentioned, Rich, that guy blew off the dying man's head in the beginning there. And then when the gas masked guy rips the guy's throat out. And then the best part is when he just kept smashing that other guy's head into the trailer hitch. (laughs) That was amazing. Like it was so brutal. It was, Oh, just so gross. And, Oh, I can't even imagine something like that. <laughs> I I went back and counted. It was 16 times, by the way. And then the best <laughs> the best was Pablo, like the scene with Pablo and Kelly tells him to get the gas mask off and says, "Don't worry, I'll clean the blood off with my shirt." <laughs> Which didn't really turn out to be the case. No. Yeah, what's with the characters? They're so uh they're so careless about the the like the sanitary conditions of all the blood they keep getting splattered with, all the ingesting of the blood and guts. I'd be really worried. <laughs> Doesn't seem to be a problem for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess they got bigger problems. Yeah, I think so. Right. But that that scene was awesome. And uh, I, I mean, first of just the tension of waiting for Pablo to reach up and grab it. And you just knew something was going to happen. But then I loved the whole thing with her trying to get him out of the way and then machine gunning him. And then... And then at the end, Pablo just repeatedly punching the guy. It was pretty funny. And then he like reached up and 
put his hand on the guy's neck like he was trying to stop the bleeding or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, some good he gore. Cares. It really felt the, this this episode felt more like an old 80s movie to me than the other ones have. Um, and I was yeah. totally digging that. And it had some proper gore, this one. Yeah. Proper gore. I felt it was in t- at times a little bit too slapsticky, though. Yeah, uh, some of some of that stuff in the back of the truck um, with Kelly trying to shoot the rifle and Pablo being flopped around all over the place and not getting hit by any bullets. You know, I mean, I didn't expect him to get shot or anything, but it felt a little more slapstick than usual. And I still liked it. Like I laughed at some of that stuff. And when Pablo was just punching the guy after he was dead out of frustration, I was laughing. Um but it seemed to me to cross a little bit of a slapstick line, a little just over the line a little bit. And mm-hmm. although I didn't hate it, I kind of noticed it a little more than usual in that scene. I mean, aside from Pablo, the others are really casual about all this at this point. Yeah. And that makes me um, feel less like less afraid for them. And, and the tension, it, it lessens the tension of the scene. So yeah. I liked it better when it was more balanced. Sometimes they'd be actually afraid. I like it when Ash is afraid. In fact, I miss those scenes where he, they're really messing with his mind and he's really suffering <laughs> as horrible as that sounds, you know, and now yeah, he's, a good point. he's just quipping all the time. He almost seems too good at dealing with this, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I know he's an expert and he's done this for a long time. He's definitely killed a lot of deadites, but you're right. Back at the beginning or in the movies and so on, he was, he didn't know what to do. Like he didn't know how to handle it and he just kind of reacted, but he was freaked out Mm -hmm. and he was, you know, they were driving him crazy and stuff. And we just don't get any of that anymore, it seems. And when uh, Lem first confronts him down in the bunker, He's, he's like, well, I'm here. And they're just like, oh, hey, what's up? I think they barely even acknowledge his presence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when they should be freaking the shit out and yeah, running yeah. away or something, you know? Yeah. So he just so. seems like an annoyance. He's been in a he's been in a cellar before. Come on. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's got a lot of experience. This ain't his first Deadite rodeo. It's not. But I mean, I want... <laughs> I, they need to ha- find ways of putting him off balance, you know? Yes. And um, Kelly, she's like totally not affected by any of it. And I, I liked last uh, episode when she was just going off on that deadite in the kitchen with a with the t- meat tenderizer or whatever it was, because she was in in a moment of complete rage at that point. But it, this episode, she's just kind of laughing it all off all the time, and it, it, right in the middle of the action, she's just not at all afraid it didn't seem like she was ever afraid and i don't like that yeah and she was a lot more um a lot more affected by it all when her parents were involved of course right Mm -hmm. but that was you know way back in i don't know episode two two and 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 now i mean she still talks about it but it feel like i feel like she's recovered from that you know pretty quickly (laughs) yeah a few days of showtime or something and you're right she kind of laughs it all off even though she just went through that terribly traumatic experience although everything they've done should be terribly traumatic i mean it's like what pablo said last i think it was last episode is true that oh she almost wants the deadites to come because she enjoys killing them 
Yeah. And she was screaming at the beginning of this episode. I forget what she was saying, but it was like, come on, come and get us. Yeah. Oh, She's in the, no in, the now. Mm-hmm. in the militia building at the beginning. Yeah, that's yeah. right. She yeah. said, come on down. Pretty much. All right. Who's next? I don't know. Is it me? Why don't I go? Okay. Go. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think so. Number two. No, number two. Um, so the, uh, the scene where Ruby comes out of the ashes, uh, uh, obviously there's, you know, we've talked about why that was exciting for rich and exciting for all of us. I'm sure <laughs> all of a little us, bit. Sure, yeah. yeah. I can't, can't say that it's not exciting for everybody, but I think the second and third, I actually watched this one three times this episode and the second and third time I paid a little bit more attention to what, uh, Amanda was saying as we saw that, cause she was doing sort of a voiceover. She was telling Ash about Ruby and she said that Ruby's been fighting these things her whole life. And that she was just a normal person who got tangled up in something beyond her control. And I started thinking that Amanda really sees Ruby as someone just like like Ash, who's sort of gotten mixed up in this against their will and is is fighting the deadites and not and just trying to survive and trying to eliminate them. But we all sort of know that Ruby has an ulterior motive of to come and get ash so i just found that interesting that amanda didn't really see that or at least didn't explain it to ash at the time um and she just sort of sees ruby as as another victim of all these things which i thought was interesting so yeah i got that too i think they all believe that that she's just a normal person that got killed yeah and and i mean she's i mean I don't know how it would change things if she said to ash she's coming to get you you know we got to watch out maybe we should like go get her first or something but that's definitely not how it played out. Well, I mean, she did say something like, I'm sorry I misread you, but R- Ruby told me that thinks that you're the cause of all this. So that was said. But the thing that we're not quite sure Amanda has right is that Ruby is just another innocent victim mixed up in all this. We really don't know. I mean what we've seen that nobody else has is that she has some kind of a communion with the deadites, Mm -hmm. but they called her a double crosser. So it's possible that she still is a good guy, you know? Yeah. If she had some sort of involvement with them and then she, and then she double crossed them. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I guess we don't really know, but I was just a little bit surprised about Amanda not really seeing Ruby for exactly what she is or what she's doing. But I guess maybe no, we don't really know as you were saying. Mm-hmm. So um, we don't know. And then that's exciting because it is. Yeah. It's mysterious. And I like that. And she's become a much more interesting character. The last couple of episodes after we interviewed her. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, oh, well. <laughs> would you have asked her what it's like to rise from a, yeah. a fire pit with no clothes on? Yeah. I would have yeah. been, tried to be as tactful as possible, but of course. <laughs> All right. Good. <laughs> no, she never said anything about that. No. I mean, she did, really didn't want us to know that her character was about to take a left turn, which, you know, they want, she wanted us to be surprised. So of course I can forgive that. I'm impressed with how, how much uh, they've got us interested in that character. I mean, total throughout all, what is this? Uh, seven episodes that she's only maybe had what three or four minutes of screen time. That's pretty impressive. Right. I know. Huh? I mean, the fact that she's played by Lucy Lawless probably has people even more intrigued than they would have been. 
You know, you why know, does Lucy have the small part? What's up with that? You know, what, yeah. what's going on with her? But when they do that kind of thing in a show, in any show like this, where they just drop stuff in bits, bits here and there, and if they, if they make it compelling, I think it's a really good way to, to keep the interest. You know, keep mm-hmm. people's or pique pe- people's interest in something like this. So, um, I and I think they have done a good job here. Yeah, which, they've you know, done a great job with the pacing and the plotting and it's a fairly simple plot but just beat by beat and then as i've said before moving to a new cool location each episode it's just that part of it i think has been done really well Mm -hmm. yeah okay rich number two uh number two mine my number two was uh yours it was uh it was all the gore i like this scene in the in the back of the truck when um when they were trying to get the uh, mask or where they were trying to kill that dead, I mm-hmm. possessed fellow with the mask on and his mask filled up with blood when they backed up against the tree. That was amazing. Like, popped him like a cherry. and went up. Yeah, the that's that right. Cool. <laughs> the only thing that bothered me about all that though, was, uh, when, uh, Kelly fired the machine gun, it threw her back onto the car. Uh, that's one of my pet peeves in, in movies. I don't like it when the guns throw people back because, it's stupid, but I mean, it's like, I'm going to say, well, that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it matters in a show like this, you know, but I teach physics. I got it. I got it's a It's a little <laughs> thing with me. Wait, now wouldn't certain guns do that or no? Well, it's uh, it, the gun would have to be super huge okay. to throw you back. But a machine gun wouldn't, whole, wouldn't do it. No, you got to have as much force coming out of the gun as it's going to throw you back. Right. Equal and opposite reactions and all that fun stuff. But, uh, yeah, that's a stupid thing for me to think because, like, the whole show is realistic. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, it's funny because I don't know anything about guns, but I always thought that machine guns like that would have a really strong kickback, but maybe not enough to throw a person throw back a person, like that. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, not like that. They do kick back, but not that much. How many machine guns have have you fired? By the way, I got me? to fire one one time. Really. Huh. Yeah, it was really cool too. Well, it was a semi-automatic that was uh, that was uh, illegally, let's say, you know, converted into a automatic. Holy cow! All you had to do was hold the trigger down and it fired. But it was a small caliber gun. That's crazy. So we, went, we were up in the foothills shooting uh, varmints, <laughs> shooting those little gophers. Yeehaw! Yeah, it wasn't much of a challenge when you could spit out fifty bullets at a time. You know. Jeez. That's crazy. Uh, all right. Mm, Chris. Me? Yep. I think it's you now. I just okay. went, didn't I? All right. I'll go then. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so mine is, I'm kind of going along with that, is uh, the politics of this episode. There's a lot of anti-government sentiment, given that this is this sort of militant group that has, uh, I mean, they're the militia and they've, they've hidden themselves away and built up this whole fortress and have it a lots of ammunition and stuff. And then there's sort of a little bit of touching on gun politics. One thing Ash said to Amanda, we don't want another Ruby Ridge on our hands. 
So tuck that attitude yeah. right into your cleavage, which I definitely have never noticed before. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I looked that up because I, I didn't remember that. But Ruby Ridge was a site of this confrontation in Idaho in 92 between this guy, Randy Weaver, his family and a nearby a neighbor who I guess he was having a property dispute in the neighbor called the government. And it ended up spiraling out of control with the U.S. Marshals and the FBI and there was yeah. fire a firefight that happened and his uh, son and wife died and one of the deputies died. So you knew about that, Rich? Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. And then it kicked off this big protest about how the CIA and the FBI treat other people, you know, how they're, they were like a uh, an organization that wasn't regulated or didn't right. follow the same regulations as normal police. And then, like, right after that, Waco happened in Texas. Right. And it pissed people off even more, so they caught a lot of heat for that, the FBI. Yeah, and this touches on, you know, like, I can see both sides. So these guys want their freedom. They don't want their freedoms taken away, and they want autonomy. And I, I have a desire for that, too. I can totally understand it. But then it, it goes into paranoia where every little thing they think is a government plot and, and to the point where these people that the only people that can probably save them, they handcuff them together and throw them down in a, in a pit, you know? So they end up kind of hurting themselves if they take that too far on the government side, they want to make sure that everyone is safe and secure. And, but then when the, it takes that too far, they get, they also get paranoid and they want to eliminate threats and have too much control. Yeah. So, um, Anyway, there's that struggle. And I thought this episode, I don't know. I was trying to decide whether it took a, a stance on that. And uh, it kind of made the militia guys look dumb to an extent. But it kind of makes every, I mean, everyone on the show is kind of dumb in one way or another sometimes. So uh, yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think it took a political stance? Mm, no. I don't know if it made the militia guys look dumb so much i mean they were definitely uninformed they didn't know what was going on right they and were paranoid of, they were i guess they were paranoid but they were i i sort of chalk up their attitude to like they they see these these monsters and they don't know what they are but you're right i mean they did the first thing they do is is decide to blame the government by mm -hmm. by uh and thinking they released something into the air or something like that so they were right. paranoid um I don't know. I, I'm not so sure the episode was really trying to take a stance, although Kelly did say guns are dangerous straight yeah. out. So <laughs> right. I don't know. As she's firing. Like uh, Yeah. And she yeah. also said, I'm in a second amendment, your brain's all over this truck or something. So yeah, they were just kind of yeah. touching on all these issues without really taking a huge stance, which is smart to do. The the only thing that I thought really painted these militia guys as bad guys was one of them said to kelly i'm gonna get you pregnant later that's not very nice it isn't but it set up <laughs> an amazing line for her so i think it was yeah okay. she had a great comeback she did <laughs> what i forgot i don't think it was i don't sister. think it was political i think i think they were just written um i think they were just written in part of the plot and they totally stereotyped well them. i mean i i'm not saying i i don't i i don't think it was taking a stance I, I really don't think it would do that but they did take advantage of the setting to just sort of touch on the issues of anti-government and i mean you couldn't not you know because yeah. of the kind of people that are in 
places like that. They're there for a reason. It's because they don't trust the government and they want to make sure that they are well armed so they can take care of themselves. You got me thinking now, what was the whole point of this being in the story? I assumed it was so they could load up on guns and stuff. Yeah. And Ash took off by himself. Which they did at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, what did it do for the plot? It, they got the guns, but it kind of established, uh, flirtation between Kelly I mean Amanda and Ash and then there was this thing with Pablo trying to decide what kind of a weapon most fits his personality I don't know if that really advanced his character at all um I think that was just kind of a fun diversion but I was thinking maybe it might have some kind of an impact on his character like more confidence or something like that but I don't really think so I think it was just kind of a fun little thing to show show him trying to figure out Yeah, I think it was I think it was just that because so often in in TV or shows and movies like this, you get characters that fall into very specific roles and that, you know, sometimes revolves around what weapon they use. You know, mm-hmm. we we know that from Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. <laughs> you know that they do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um and it happens in other things too. And I think maybe they were almost trying to poke fun at that a little bit here, right? Yeah. By saying Pablo needs to find a rusty chain or <laughs> or a crossbow or <laughs> he's a pickup truck kind of guy. So, you know, they they went to some ridiculous yeah. places with it. So I think they were just trying to make fun of that and I, yeah. I think it sort of worked, but you're right. It doesn't really advance his character much. Yeah. Now, yeah, now that you're saying that, I bet you they were actually almost overtly referring to the walking dead because there's Michonne's sword, mm-hmm. Daryl's crossbow, Rick's gun. Yeah. Now Morgan's bow staff. Seems like everybody has, has a weapon. You know, I, I thought, uh, this is just a little aside here, but I thought there was another reference to the walking dead in this episode. Um, did you guys notice when they were in the militia, building before you know everything went to shit and they were talking there was a um maybe a calendar or a picture of a topless woman on the wall behind one of the militia guys and i noticed that i I, the first time i saw it i could have sworn that it was lauren cohan's head photoshopped onto (laughs) somebody's body and i went back and watched it and it it's not her. At least I'm pretty sure it wasn't her. Mm-hmm. But I thought for a second, oh, my God, I can't believe they just did that. They just put her face on that body. But <laughs> And know, then you weren't obviously. you weren't totally sure, so you went back and watched it again a few more times. A few more times, that's right. And I, I paused, <laughs> and there was some slow-mo. It looked very and, carefully. Uh, you know, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Freeze, freeze frame. <laughs> I, yeah. Frame by frame. <laughs> so right. uh, Printed. let's see. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff, like, not to get too much into this, but these days when you can just see pretty much anything you want, like uh, that's why Playboy is taking out nudity because Mm -hmm. people, it's just so easy to see that now that they're going to do better by differentiating themselves by not having it, I guess. (laughs) I I guess now it's, now it's shocking to not have nudity. That's weird. (laughs) But uh, what kind of world do we live in this episode, you know, bringing back. So, Lucy Lawless topless and then this poster what I really appreciate about having stuff like that is that this show can go wherever it wants it's really unfettered it can have extreme gore nudity lots of cussing I just appreciate that because we're adults and we can handle that and I think it's actually really stupid that 
shows that are made for adults don't have stuff like that. So I, yeah. I really appreciate that. And even Bruce, Bruce Campbell in interviews before uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead went on the air, he, he said, you know, we, we want we waited until we had a situation like this with stars because Evil Dead really needs to be unrestricted. So now we have an episode that really exemplifies that. And I think it's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. And I'd like to interject and say, if you're a responsible parent, it's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. And, and in a situation like this, who wouldn't be swearing their head off and yeah. stuff like that? I mean, Jesus, it's, it's, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't seem realistic that they wouldn't be. So, yeah. He says, get the fuck out of our way or whatever Ash said. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's probably what I'd be saying. And <laughs> it reminds me of, um, Rick saying they don't know who they're screwing with. And I'm like, oh man. Yeah. They <laughs> copped out on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, now where are we? I'll go next. My number one, I guess, was was the slapstick sort of nature of this episode, which I already mentioned. Uh, the scene in the back of the truck sort of got me thinking about it. But then the fight with Lem, I thought, was actually even a little bit worse for the slapsticky nature. The stuff I wrote down here are when he first, or at one point when he blows the fire out of his mouth, you know, Ash and Amanda like lean all the way back to to avoid it, which I thought was a little bit silly. And then when Lem jumps up on top of that cage and he throws the the canister of uh, or the plastic container at them, they kind of separate perfectly and it goes through. And then he throws another one and Ash dips her and and uh, he spins yeah. around and dips her. It's like they're dancing. I just felt it was too <laughs> it was too choreographed. And it felt a little bit too easy for them. And then the thing that really uh, bugged me was when he catches the flare on the shovel and he throws it into the bucket of water just perfectly. Like, it all just felt (laughs) too easy for him. And I don't want it to be too hard, but it was... It was a little slapstick and a little over choreographed. I thought it needed to have a little bit more mayhem and chaos to it, and I felt like that was lost in this this scene. So the whole episode had a bit of that, but the problem with this, it was really evident here for me. I nah, see. I like that. I it, to me that harkened back to when Ash in the movies really sets his mind. He gets past his fear. You know, he goes to the work shed and builds himself up. And then all of a sudden he's, it's like his superhero self comes out and, you know, they had it in the first episode when he, um, kicked the little button in the floorboard and his shotgun comes out and he points it behind him and shoots the dead eye without looking, you know, <laughs> and, 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 uh, jumps up and grabs his, um, his, uh, chainsaw or whatever. But I really like the quick cutting and, that the whole, that whole sequence that you're mentioning, it was just so fast. And then he kind of helped swing um, Amanda around, and she had her pickaxe and right. finished off Lem in the head. Yeah, I don't know. I like I like that stuff. It's it's kind of entertaining, but I just I don't want it to feel like I f- I just felt like it was. I could feel the choreography in it. Mm-hmm. I, and and I, I want it to feel a yeah. little bit more natural. For some reason, you know, shotgun popping out of the floor and stuff like that, I'm okay with. Maybe because I, I sort of think, well, Ash has had 30 years to prepare for that. You know, he's probably practiced it a few times. <laughs> but uh, here, it's like they're in a situation where they're just reacting. And it's like 
you know, they're just moving perfectly. Um, it reminded me a little bit about a little bit like of that scene from Shaun of the Dead where they're in. You guys have seen that, right? Yeah. 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 So no, when they're no, in no, the no. when they're in the pub and Queen is playing and they're like hitting the zombies as the camera goes around, yeah. it's, in, it's in time to the music. Yeah. yeah. Um, for some yeah. reason, I really like <laughs> that in Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> but here, I don't know, well, that, a little little too choreographed for me. All right, Rich, you're, you're the tiebreaker. Yeah, what's it going to be, Rich? I, I, I think I know it. I'm kind of on both sides because I know oh, what Chris man. is saying. It kind of harkens back to uh, what you were saying about how Ash isn't, he's not scared anymore. Maybe it's because he's too good at killing deadites, you know, whatever the case is. But those two things kind of go hand in hand. But I also enjoy the slapstick, like how he cut the guy's, he scalped the guy with a flathead. Yes. Shot. I mean, come on. I love that. <laughs> he's like, oh, my brain. <laughs> I don't think so you're going to miss I, it. I'd have to say it. Yeah, I think I'd have to enjoy it. I enjoyed it. I mean, I definitely enjoyed it, but I, I understand what Chris is saying. I, if you know, it'll get, it'll get boring if they keep doing that. Yeah. Well, I definitely, yeah. I mean, I understand it too. I want to see Ash have his moments where he steps up and takes care of business, but, uh, I don't know. Yeah. But it see, there yeah. was, there was like it's three tough. or four of them in a row here for me. And I think uh-huh. maybe if there was just one or two or something like that, it would have been okay. Right. But when you string together this many like dance moves, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I wasn't so sure. For me, it would have been better if they had been afraid in the first place and mm-hmm. then he gets his mojo or something. I don't know. I guess I'm repeating myself now. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's Chris or Richard's turn. For my number one. Oh, come on. You know what my number one is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Got my wish. <laughs> <laughs> Ruby's boobies. Yeah. No, I really thought that was, uh, I, you know, I said that just kind of half jokingly. I mean, I was, you know, I'm never going to turn down an opportunity to look at some movies, but uh, I was I was surprised when that happened. I thought that was pretty cool. This show is so cool. Everything I wish for happens on this show. I can't believe how much stuff is going. The show just keeps getting better and better. I'm going to start wishing for more stuff. You know, what the hell? I'm gonna start They're making wishing, this uh, thing just for you, man. Yeah. I, I'm going to wish it goes 10 seasons. I'm going to wish <laughs> R- Ruby and Ash, uh, you know, have a super power beat down at the end. Ash takes on. How about Ash takes on Freddie and Jason in an alternate universe? <laughs> I'm going to wish for rain and snow in California. Success for my daughters. I'm going to wish for two million dollars now. Uh, what do you wish for that this season? The SmackDown between Ruby and Ash. Yeah, I think it would be cool if it all culminates at the uh, at the um, at the cabin. You know, you get the entire cast there, and you know, I I, I don't want to go through and make a real specific wish list but i mean if ruby's there uh-huh. if amanda's there if ash is there and then pablo and kelly you know they're gonna have to i don't know maybe join forces against ruby and the deadites or maybe right. Ruby switches sides or you know what's gonna happen i i'm excited i want to see what's gonna happen. <laughs> i don't know what's gonna happen cool all right well i'm gonna do what's becoming kind of a tradition and just talk about some of my favorite lines um let's see I liked when the guy who was dying in the beginning said, please just kill me. And Ash goes, easy, pal. We're not going to kill anybody. We'll get you all fixed up. And then he's like, no, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeesh. Yeah. Does the hand thing. Yeah. With the hand across his throat. And then uh, when the 
militia boss Crosby said, what the hell do you know? He goes, let me dumb it down for you. What's out there knows you're alive and it wants you to be unalive. <laughs> it's like he really had to think that was about hilarious. that word. <laughs> yeah. He had, to, he had to think for that word. He like a lot of times uh, when I'm watching shows, I will think about what the script must have looked like those words on the page. And I admire the actors because sometimes I think on the page, it just seems like, huh, that could be cute. But if you deliver it in just the right way, it really raises it up a couple notches. And I think Bruce Campbell's really good at that. Yeah. Well, if he had just said, if he had just said dead, it wouldn't have been as funny, right? Mm -hmm. He had to, he like rolled his eyes for a second and said, unalive. Yeah. (laughs) Or even if he just said, you know, what's out there knows that you're alive and it wants you to be unalive. That was not be as funny as the way he did it, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So he's good at that. Uh, And then he said, you're seeing the world as it is. So that's good. Most people go through life thinking they're totally safe. It's people like us who know the truth. Life is hard and dangerous. And sometimes you just got to chop off somebody's head to survive. (laughs) It's as simple as that. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a simple fact. Um, I liked when he said, wait a minute, propane. We'll just blow the asshole up, which is uh, very (laughs) ash. And then just so you know, each of you has a very special place in my heart. Good job staying alive. Keep it up. Amen. That amen, amen. really made that. For me. It made the scene. It. Yeah. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I like it when he said to Amanda, he said, uh, he said, all right, we get to spend some quality time together. Just like you've been dreaming about. <laughs> <laughs> he says it's so natural. My favorite two lines were at the beginning when, when Kelly said, we're not leaving a trail of gore and destruction behind us we're keeping michigan moist <laughs> which was good <laughs> yeah and then as soon as they rolled down into the basement ash and uh, amanda she's like do you think there's a back door and and he says no but i'll say yes just to keep hope alive <laughs> <laughs> again it's just the way he delivers those lines are so good yeah yeah <laughs> so smooth and yet there are there were a few lines where i thought he what I really don't feel like his acting has improved that much. It's so weird with him. I hate to say this because I'm sure there's some Bruce Campbell fans out there that would want to kill me if I said anything even bordering on negative, but sometimes he just seems very B actory to me. And I love it totally works, yeah. but um I don't know if you guys know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. That's his calling card. That's what he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's perfected it over thirty years <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> All right. So any notes or anything else? Uh, the, there's one thing I wrote down. It was, uh, it was, a, I was, a, I was a little disappointed that uh, the militia's done. I kind of wanted Ash to take mm-hmm. control. Yeah, that's what you were saying last time. And then I said the soldiers, I thought yeah. they would all die, and we were both wrong. He didn't take control, but there were uh, probably most of them, or at least several of them, left at the end. I was surprised that any were still yeah. alive. I just thought it would be cool if you took a few militia guys mm-hmm. to the cabin and you know, they had could, a nice big battle with the undead, the, with the deadites. I, I like big battles. It's not totally out of the question. I mean, he disappeared at the end, but we don't know that he actually like left. And because those guys are still alive, you never know. They might still play a part. And they were still, you know, that the way that was staged, they just saved those militia guys from one more deadite and then she gave one of them a knife and said cut yourself free mm-hmm. and then they started to then ash gave his little speech and then they walked off 
and he took off and you you think that he was in full view of them so that when Kelly and Amanda and Pablo turned around those guys could have said oh he ran off into the woods or something yeah well he did disappear <laughs> yeah. awfully quickly <laughs> yeah like batman or something yeah <laughs> batman anything else no i think that does it for me it was a good episode i enjoyed it the only one thing i had is um i, I sort of liked right at the end that that slow-mo hero shot of kelly pablo and amanda with their guns raised right after mm-hmm. shooting shooting the deadite yeah. and i thought it was interesting too that Ash wasn't in that shot. It was these other three characters who they really focused on and not Ash, who you think is like the main character, but he wasn't even part of it. But I thought it looked cool. That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. that's true, huh? And he kind of came up into the shot from the side, but it was yeah. more focused on them. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, okay, my turn. So I thought if they're going to have the glove with the attachments, then a flashlight is a pretty cool one. It's, it's practical and it's not too over the top. So. essential i'd say oh yeah yeah like let's that. try it, the glove what do we got so far on that thing we got a flashlight and what was the other thing screwdriver screwdriver yeah yeah so that's cool it's gonna be a missile launcher next week i know it <laughs> um ash said that lem liked fire water before he knew it was racist i so i looked it up i didn't even know about fire water's moonshine yeah. I still, I don't know. Is that I didn't refer know, to like? The I Indians didn't know that was racist either. I, I don't know. I thought that was just a. Well, I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure what I thought, but it never occurred to me that it was racist. But maybe I'm just ignorant. <laughs> yeah, I don't exactly. know. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say it's not, just in case it is. So I. Yeah, just don't know. exactly. I'm just gonna not say it. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just to be safe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else? So the only other thing is this episode, at least according to Wikipedia, was written by Sean Clements, who wrote the book for Beyond episode, and Dominic Dierkes, who wrote Bates, which was the second episode with Kelly's family, and also Ivan Ramey. So if that's true, uh, I think it's pretty cool that the there's mm-hmm. a Ramey still involved. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, he, I mean, he was there from the beginning, right? Yeah. He helped write the first episode, yeah. Is he a producer, cool. Ivan? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But I feel like I was always under the impression that Sam Raimi was going to have a bigger role, and then he kind of just disappeared. And I wonder if I just missed something, or they kind of wanted us to feel like that when it started. Maybe. I mean, they probably wanted people mm-hmm. to think that Sam was involved. Uh, and maybe he is still, I don't know, yeah. but it's, there's a showrunner that's not Sam and he's not getting any writer's credit. So I feel like he came in and really kicked it off, but then stepped back. He's executive producing, yeah. like whatever that means, but maybe he mm-hmm. sort of has to have the final approval on everything. I don't know. I get the sense that executive producer can mean anything from <laughs> I'm fully in control to they needed to put my name on it. Yeah, I like <laughs> this was I, my idea. I provided some funding or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, regardless of how much he's involved, it's a good show. That's but, true. Good point. I mm-hmm. mean, how many shows do you know that just keeps getting better and better and better? Mm-hmm. When I um, did the panel with this guy, his name is Arnold T. Bloomberg. He does the Doctor of the Dead podcast that also covers Ash vs. Evil Dead, by the way. And uh, he did a panel at 
Walker Strucker Con, and we talked about Walking Dead and zombies and all kinds of stuff. And then only at the very end, he said, oh, yeah, and I also cover Ash versus Evil Dead, which is pretty much why TV was invented. <laughs> awesome. So we've, had, his... we've had decades of TV all leading to this. Yeah, the culmination. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. All right, that's good. Let's take a little break. There's more to come. Stay with us. Okay, time for the news. So the first item here is a bit of an older one, um, but I think it's sort of relevant now that we've seen more than half of this season. Uh, But I also don't know if you guys talked about this before I came on the podcast. But anyways, back before the premiere, Sam, Bruce, and Lucy did sort of a roundtable type interview about it. It might have been at Comic-Con in New York in the summer or the, uh, yeah, in the summer, I guess. Um, But there's a couple of good quotes coming out that came out of that here that I thought are sort of relevant now that we've seen more of the season. And Sam was asked about why it took so long to reboot Evil Dead. And he said, I was afraid of meeting some standard that fans had. Ivan and I wrote draft after draft. We tried to keep in mind what we thought we'd love to see. And we hoped that we were still connected to the audience and that the things that we wanted to see was what they wanted to see. And we didn't know until we had the show at New York Comic Con if it would work or not. And so I was relieved, not even happy, just relieved that they seemed to be getting into it and they loved watching Bruce. It was quite an extraordinary feeling to have that weight uh, lifted after so many years off my shoulders. So it took him so long because he was worried about everyone, what everyone would think, which I thought was sort of hilarious, but they have managed to live up to uh, or deliver something that everyone loves, it seems like. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you're in that position, I was going to say you can't go wrong. Maybe you can go wrong, but the only good way to proceed is to just do something that you like, that, yeah. that makes you laugh or that moves you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and that's what he did. He's, he's, yeah. I guess it took a while to get to that point, though, for him to sort of think, well, I'm just going to make it the way I want to make it, and that's mm-hmm. what we did all those years ago, and it worked out, so hopefully it works out this time, too. Um, now, Bruce, uh, at the same event, was asked about you know revisiting Ash as a character, and he said, I'm actually most excited to come back to this character after I've had 25 years of experience. I did Ash when I didn't know shit from Shinola, <laughs> and that's the role that I'm best known for, that guy, when I couldn't act my way out <laughs> of a wet paper bag. I would like to revisit that, please. I would like to revisit Ash 25 years later with more experience and work with Sam 25 years down the road. So I think he (laughs) sort of has a, you know, I think he gets a bit of amusement out of being best known for, for a character, like one of the first things he ever did, you know, all those years ago, but it's, I guess it's fun to come back to. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you could, you could resent that, but he, if he does, he's somehow gotten over it because he really, gets into it he goes to all these conventions oh yeah he plays the part of ash when he's talking to the crowd kind of being yeah. rude to people and stuff 
for sure. He, <laughs> yeah. he knows how to work a crowd so well. Speaking of New York Comic Con, I was there a few years ago and I was in the panel he was at. Uh, it wasn't about this show, but he was just doing a panel for something else. And uh, he was amazing. Like he was just so charismatic on stage and he had hilarious answers to people's questions. Sometimes they were like borderline rude, <laughs> but mm -hmm. it really fit. And then someone said something really nice and he said, hey, come on up here on stage. And he gave him 20 bucks and <laughs> just walked away. <laughs> like he just, he just knows how to work a room of people Hilarious. and fans yeah. so well. So <laughs> Uh, he embraces it. That's what Lucy Lawless was saying the same thing in our interview. She was saying he really, he's really got a good uh, uh, relationship with his fans. Yeah. Yeah, he just, he just knows what to do to keep everyone wanting more. Next item in the news. So the makeup designer, her name, uh, at least for the first episode, she only worked on the pilot. Her name is Denise Coom. Her last name is K-U-M. I'm going to go with Coom. Uh <laughs> There was a there was an interview in uh, btlnews.com with her about her work on the first episode, and it's a really interesting read. So maybe, Jason, you can post a link to this when you put this episode up if people mm -hmm. want to read more. But uh, it gets into the process she went through to design sort of the, the prosthetics and all the painting that they have to do to make the deadites look perfect. And she said they spent six weeks leading up to, like before they even started filming, just to do all these tests to make sure that all the makeup and the practical effects were exactly what they wanted. And it goes into a great deal of detail on her process. So it is pretty interesting. Neat. But the one quote I pulled out here from her is that she said, we thought from the beginning that it was important uh, with the fan base to use the films as a springboard to retain the look of the deadites, creepy and comical. The technique was looking a lot more handmade. CGI and things are so perfect, but we all felt it would be a mistake to try and go into that world. So it's it's really interesting. They do a lot of stuff uh, just with, you know, paint on people's bodies and fake blood and little bits of prosthetics here and there and, of course, contact lenses. But it's pretty cool to read if you're into that sort of thing. So I'll send you guys the link and maybe we can share it with everyone. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's yeah. cool, yeah. Next up is... There's a guy from a company called Gearbox Designs. His name is David. And he built a really neat lamp <laughs> inspired by <laughs> Evil Dead. <laughs> and uh, he posted a video of himself doing it. And I watched it the other night. And it, was, it just blew me away. Really, really fascinated me. Because it's funny. It's mostly in fast motion of him like cutting wood and sanding and putting it all together and making all the individual parts and putting in the LEDs and stuff like that. But I was mesmerized by the whole thing. It was really incredible. So this is another link I might send over to you, but it's kind of fun because if you want to build yourself an Evil Dead inspired LED lamp, which looks actually very cool, it looks like the cabin um, with light emitting from the inside. Uh, you know, you might be able to follow the instructions here, even though it's in high speed the whole time, but it's pretty cool. So <laughs> that's cool. What was his name again? Uh, David from Gearbox Designs. I found the video on YouTube where oh, cool. all the videos on the internet are. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool one. Um, okay. Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi News. He is going to be executive producing a new show starring. Kevin Sorbo, <laughs> who you will remember from the Hercules show that, you know, Raimi produced yeah. back in the in the 90s, I guess. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah. Anyways, this show is going to be called Miracle Man, and it centers on Jason Green, who's played by Sorbo, 
who is a decorated army ranger that is nearly killed in Afghanistan. He's haunted by the experience, so he's discharged and returns home to a wife who's left him and an adult son he barely knows. Um, so uh, Sam Raimi, working with Kevin Sorbo again on, some, on another TV show. So if you can't get enough of Sam Raimi stuff, <laughs> another opportunity here. Wow. Does it say what channel? Sounds serious. Um, it's going to be on NBC. Interesting. Yeah, so it's probably not going to have <laughs> language and gore like we're right. getting on Ash vs. Evil Dead, but different kind of show, different kind of show. I, I never I never got into Hercules, and uh, there's way too much TV, but I'll at least check out the pilot and see if it's yeah, good. To, yeah, yeah. it's Sam. You got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, and the other thing also mentioned in this article, which is from Deadline, by the way, but also mentioned is that Raimi is in the process of producing a reboot of Xena Warrior Princess, which I hadn't heard anything about before huh. this. So I'm going to dig into that a little bit more and see if I can find any more information. But uh, if you're a Xena fan, you might be getting more of that soon, too. Mm -hmm. So all kinds of good wow. stuff coming up. Yeah. Yeah, I did see something about it was like a meme that said. Harrison Ford still plays Indiana Jones. Arnold Schwarzenegger still plays the Terminator. Uh -huh. And there's a couple other ones like that. Why can't Lucy Lawless keep playing Xena? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why not? She? she looks good. Yeah. Certainly looks fit enough. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And then finally, there's a movie out right now called Krampus. It is a Christmas horror movie, and MoviePilot.com gave this movie a 10 out of 10. And you're probably wondering how this is relevant to Evil Dead. Well, here is a quote from the author Rowan Od Odorn, of the, who wrote this review. And he says, this is a fantastic horror movie packed with laughs. The movie reminds me of Evil Dead 2 in a way of its blending of horror and comedy, as well as the creatures being a bit taunting to the family. The easiest way to sum up this movie is that it's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation meets Evil Dead 2. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. to me, that sounds like a really fascinating combination, and yeah. I can't wait to see it. So, <laughs> Yeah, that, that just made me want to go see that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of on the fence about Krampus, but... After this, a 10 out of 10, first of all, is a hell of a review. Mm, yeah. And, uh, and then saying it's Christmas vacation crossed with Evil Dead. How can you go wrong? So mm. check it all out. Right. And uh, that's it. That's it for the news. All awesome. right. Cool. I was bummed that the new vacation movie with Ed Helms didn't get good reviews. I didn't even go see it because it got pretty yeah. bad reviews. Well, I'm a huge fan yeah, of the first, well, the original three vacations anyways. And yeah. I actually don't even mind Vegas. I mean, it's not great, but I don't mind it. But the new Vacation movie had some funny bits. I only saw it like a month ago, and uh, it was better than I expected. Let's put okay. it that way. But oh. still not amazing. <laughs> I don't want to get your hopes too high or anything like that. All right, cool. Let's move on to listener feedback. Uh, I'll go first. Matthew Rep says, Rich is going to love the return of Ruby tonight. <laughs> right on, brother. I sure <laughs> that did. Is, that is true. <laughs> She's back on the road again. Gene Morton writes in, I like the episode, but only the part that really bugged me was when Lucy came out of the fire all dirty, and then the next scene, she is perfectly clean, hair and makeup all done. What the fuck? <laughs> but you know what? Pablo can like slip and slide 
on a pickup truck full of blood and then in the next scene be completely clean and dressed. So what's the difference? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, wait a minute. Wait, she she came out of the fire at at Pablo's uncle's house, right? Yeah. And then the next scene she was at the car, so she had to travel because the car was still in front of the restaurant. The diner. So there was some time that, yeah, there was some time there that passed. We just didn't get to see it. Yeah. Yeah, she probably just went inside Brujo's house and took a shower. There was a shower scene we missed. <laughs> Dang it, that's the oh, part. Oh man, why'd you yeah. have to say that, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> well, wish for it, Rich. Wish for it. <laughs> oh yeah, I wish for a shower scene. That's what episode ten's just gonna be naked Lucy Lawless. Oh my! We'll be God. like Rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, you <laughs> you overdid it, man. <laughs> Stop wishing. All right, Steve Brown uh, writes, Thank you for the Evil Dead cast. I love it and listen every week. I watch the show and then watch it again after your commentary. You're welcome, Steve. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. cool. Appreciate it. Matt Solomon says, Hello, gentlemen. I would like to say that I really enjoy your podcast. My favorite part is the little facts that you guys throw in there about the series or other projects the cast are doing. Please, please keep on doing this because the only thing that cures my Evil Dead itch is more Evil Dead. So I went and found a fact, actually. Um, The guy who came up and got the drop on Pablo after, you know, him and Kelly cornered that one guy, remember? Like, she kicked the guy, and then he Pablo came up and had a gun on him. And then this guy that came up and had a gun on Pablo after that, I'm like, he looks familiar. So I look him up. His name is Ziggy Grover. And he's a New Zealander, and he played the Green Ranger in Power Rangers RPM, which was filmed in New Zealand. So <laughs> that, there's your fact. That is amazing. Ziggy Rover is the best name I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Ziggy matches New Zealand, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, well, uh, yeah, and I, I also feel better, too, about, you know, talking about things in the news like Krampus and what else Kevin uh, Sam Raimi's doing. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Matt. <laughs> Right on. Uh, Chris Morton, after watching the seventh episode of Ash, I just had to send you guys a message and ask a question. Have you ever known a TV show that has only increased in quality from one week to the next, like this one, that has got intrigue, action, emotion, sex, violence, horror, is genuinely funny with characters that are actually interesting and that you really care about, and blends each perfectly every week? It may be because I have loved the franchise, since first seeing Evil Dead 2 on video way back in 1989, or because I'm maybe slightly drunk, or both, but greatest <laughs> TV show ever. And yes, I got a bit misty-eyed at the end shot of Ash's hand outside the cabin. Love the pod, guys. Thanks. Chris Morton from cold northern England. Right on. Very cool. That's awesome. I have not I totally known agree. a show, show that has all of that, but the closest thing is that I can think of right now is breaking bad, which just started off awesome and got more and more amazing as it went on. In my opinion. Yeah. I mean, what did they do? Five years of that show. I I can, I can't really think of an episode that I didn't like of that show. And that's one of the only times that's ever happened. And it's amazing Mm -hmm. to think five years and they, they were consistently that good, you know? Yeah, totally. So check that out, Chris, if you haven't seen it. Yep. All right, it's time for next week on Ash vs. Evil Dead. All right, next week on episode 108, Ashes to Ashes. Ash attempts to bury the book to end the evil, but first he must contend with other, more physical things from his past. 
Fisher faces a horrific change in Ash. Uh-oh. Huh. That's really interesting. So things from his past, would it be like Henrietta from the movie or something else? Or, yeah. And then if she has to contend with him, maybe he gets possessed again. Yeah. But I see, I wasn't even thinking they'd be together so fast again. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like they will. I guess. Ashes to ashes. Maybe he'll see his girlfriend, Linda. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you he will. I wouldn't be surprised. That sounds like an amazing description. Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And then the next, the episodes, Ashes to Ashes is next week, then Bound in the Flesh, and then number 10 is The Dark One. I really like those titles. They're very intriguing. The Dark One. What's what's number nine called? Bound in the Flesh. Okay. Yeah. No, very intriguing. And, And we've said this before, I think, but these descriptions that they put out, there's... I feel like there's just a little bit more information in them than, than other shows mm-hmm. do. And we, we go through the whole podcast talking about what we think is going to happen. And then this yeah. comes along and it's like, Oh, okay. That's what, that's what it is. <laughs> I'm glad I don't. Yeah. I'm kind of glad I don't see that before I start predicting. Cause it's, it's fun to, Oh yeah. It's fun to speculate, speculate and then be wrong sometimes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So wrong. that's our show episode 10 thanks for listening everybody if you want to call us you should call us you know if you want to call us uh, if you want to um have your call read on the air here's what you do call us and that's pretty much it so if you want to call us you can call us at 650-485-DEAD that's 650-485-3323 amen you can also email us at uh, groovy at podcastica.com. And, of course, you can find us on the web at facebook.com slash evildeadcast or at evildeadcast on Twitter. And please be sure to check out the other great shows on the Podcastica network at podcastica.com. And also check out Talking Dead Podcast, too, even though it's not on the network. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up in a few days, if everything pans out, you'll have our bonus episode with Ray Santiago. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening. We'll swallow your soul.